Welcome back. Welcome back to another edition of the No F's podcast. We're back for the second time this week. Going to cover some football. We got Shea back with us, and we're going to kick it off with the NCAA. Bama needs to win this week. I think that's, like, where we have to start. Like, obviously they're going to win, but they need to cover the spread and win definitively. It's I mean, tough because the spread's 51.5 points. <laughs> look, Alabama's script is written. All they have to do is win against Auburn and win again in the SEC championship game they're in. It doesn't matter how it looks at this point. Like, those are the two games left on the schedule. As long as they don't drop to New Mexico State, which they won't. Uh, I mean, the most interesting thing about this game is the over-under at 67, and I'm going to pound the under on that. I doubt New Mexico even scores once. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the thing. Is the the only the question here is like you know when you played Madden against your brother and it got to be a hundred twenty to seven and your dad walks in and he's like, oh, how'd they get the seven? Like that's the question about this game. Is New Mexico State gonna score <laughs> or not? Like that's that's all this is. Yeah. Um, I think that I, for me personally, the game that I'm gonna watch is Oklahoma Baylor. Uh, I've been a big Baylor guy this whole season. I like that their quarterback's name is Jerry, but he spells it with a G, because that's funny. Um, I also hate Oklahoma, being a Texas fan. I They haven't played a good game yet, so I thought their ranking was very apt. Um, it's This is not a team that's very good. Now, Baylor is coming off of, and I think last week is important to know that it was a trap game for them. TCU is not very good, and even though they're like rivals, it's like how much of a rival can you really be if you're a small private Christian college in the middle of Waco, Texas? Um, this think this feels like a trap game. This this to me, I think, is what they had their eyes on last week. They went out and laid an egg against TCU. I think this is what they had their eyes on because they know that at home they have a very good chance to beat Oklahoma. And you know they they're gonna give if they beat Oklahoma, especially in a decisive style of manner, they're going to give the committee something to think about because their only two losses would be a rivalry game by two and Oklahoma State by ten, which was in it was in Stillwater. Um, I don't think they get into the playoff. That's not what I'm saying. But it is something to think about in, in the grand scheme of things is, like, do those two losses – are, are they better or are they worse than the one loss to Stanford that Oregon has? Just in the great in the grand picture of things, that is, I think, what's kind of up in the air. I think if Baylor does come away with this game, the one issue on their schedule is the TCU loss. The TCU loss is just tough to look at, especially given the fact that Oklahoma beat them. Um, it says here 52-31. Uh, yeah, I mean, I... It also just writes off Oklahoma, I feel like. I mean, unless something weird happens, it, it, Oklahoma's got to re- remain unbeaten. Uh, and this just feels like, you know, it's in Waco. It less than a touchdown spread. And I, I don't know. This I, I, I will also be watching this game. It feels, it feels like this is uh, this could get kind of sloppy pretty quickly. <laughs> I will say this in watching the film of both of these teams. Oklahoma's secondary, not good. Doesn't really matter that much because Baylor does can't really throw the ball outside the numbers too well. But Baylor has sideline to sideline speed at all four linebacker positions. Um, 
That, but that's always been a staple of the Aranda defense. That's always how he's run it. Um, you know, he's putting guys in the league consistently when he was at LSU. I don't think that that's going to change just because he went to Baylor. Now, they're not nearly as highly recruited, um, but they all do play very fast. Um, they play great football. It's, it's a sound fundamental team. Um, on top of that, this is kind of the LSU bowl a little bit. Um, Lincoln Riley was seen today in Baton Rouge. Um, so there is kind of a thing of, you know, would LSU hire Lincoln Riley? I, I don't see why not. Um, would Baylor rehire Dave Aranda? I don't see why not either. So I think both of these guys have the opportunity to pursue that LSU head coaching job if they want it. Um, so that will be a fun kind of little twist here that we have in this game. Next game on the schedule, Georgia-Tennessee. Shay, I know that you're going to be pulling for Tennessee, even though, you know. I mean, the thing is is that Georgia has an offensive problem. Um, I think Tennessee is going to get beat. Uh, but, I mean, Florida didn't give Georgia a run for their money. Granted, they played a terrible game. But, I mean, it would be fun to watch Tennessee win. My, I mean, my thought about it is Georgia's offense is clearly just, you know, it's getting by. It's absolutely scraping because you have no elite defense. You don't have to do anything else. Tennessee is, uh, you know, nearing the opposite where their defense is just getting by and their offense is really good right now. Lots of explosive plays, um, but it's not as consistent as I'd like it to be. And so I think we probably throw up. I don't know, 17, 21 points and lose by a touchdown or two. I think um, I think Tennessee is finally having the changing of a guard in the coaching department that they needed. Um, I'm all aboard the Hypo Express. I think he's a very good coach. I think he's done solidly in identifying the talent that he has and using it well. Um, you know, it always brings me back to the Butch Jones not playing Alvin Kamara. Well, you know, Heupel's not going to have a guy like Tyon Evans sit on his bench. He found a way to get him involved, and he's really blossomed. I mean, that guy's averaging something over, like, six yards of carry. I mean, he's a beast. Yeah, uh, Tyon is absolutely nuts. Uh, the passing on the sidelines, Hayden Noker has been surprising to me. I actually was not in favor of him taking over the job from Joe Milton. Uh, thing with Milton, he's just throwing the ball through people because just arms too big, you know, can't can't put any touch on the ball. Hinden Hooker has really brought the offense together. He's been running well, just making all the right throws, all the right decisions. Um, and, and like we said, that's that's tough against Georgia. I will say this. Georgia's internal issues, like with Adam Anderson going, like turning himself into police of, over the allegations that he has, um, this is just a... It, it does strike me as a trap game for Georgia in the sense that they're going to need two weeks to prepare for Alabama, and they've probably already started doing that because their next two games are Georgia Tech and Charleston Southern, I think. Um, I just I see this as the opportunity for Heupel to assert himself in the SEC picture, not in the sense of, oh, he's going to go out and win, but I think you know he'll play him close, he'll have a good game plan, um, and you know if this game at home for Tennessee goes in the 24 to 21 range, and they're always kind of battling. Uh, people are going to be really excited about the balls, and I think they should be. Um, they, they do have a pretty good team. Um, I will say I think three touchdowns is a lot 
because with Georgia's offense, you're pretty much relying on turnovers at that point. And if there's one thing this Tennessee team does not do, it's turn the ball over. Um, that's kind of been when Hooker's just been great at is he just finds the open man, dumps it, and runs. Um, and if it's not there, he's running himself. So uh, it will be interesting to see because I think this will be it, – it's nice to see that the the strengths of Tennessee match up with the strengths of Georgia and the weaknesses of both teams match up with each other um, so that, like, you know, Georgia's offense is great, but Tennessee's defense also isn't great. So you'll get a nice little – picture of um of equality i guess through the board but i I do expect georgia's running game and just overall ball dominating offense to kind of win through here um probably in like the like i was saying i i would expect it to be like 28 21 that's what i would probably pick um it'll be a good time uh, another good time for georgia's defense to show how good it is too because i mean the tennessee offense has been really really good and and I mean, if Georgia's defense can come out again and just snuff it out like they've been doing every week, um, yeah, I, I mean, I am agree, I agree with everything you guys are saying, like 28-21-ish. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll they, see. It, it's, like, at Tennessee, like, they'll show out. And... The Tennessee guard center guard against Alabama's, I know he, he he's running that kind of hybrid, right, Shay? So it'll be interesting to see how those – whether or not they line up in a nose or not, whether they run that 4-3, I mean, I expect it to be the 4-3, but um, the interior line play should be really fun to watch in this game because they're both pretty good at what they do have. Um, it, it's just tough for Tennessee because this is a program that I think deservedly has some momentum behind it, and this is just also, like, when commits are visiting and when they come through and like, it's really tough to be in Knoxville all psyched up for this game. And if Georgia comes out and just steamrolls them, like they're, they're kind of career altering style of games in terms of it's his first year. He needs a good class. You know, if he could play Georgia close, then those recruits on the border of those two States suddenly view Tennessee as way more of an option than they probably did when they were sophomores in high school. I'm ready to be hurt again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the UTs this year, man. <laughs> it's been tough. Been a rough ride. Uh, all right, Purdue, Ohio State. I hope Purdue wins. I this hope game. Purdue wins I too. Hope they just absolutely fuck up this whole season for everybody. Purdue has. I feel like Purdue has like a very good bad habit of beating like highly ranked teams. Purdue, if Purdue wins this game, they will have single-handedly eliminated the entire Big Ten from the college football playoff. <laughs> I think this is going to end up being a situation like not on the same level as the UCF national championship, but <laughs> State. I think they just need to dub themselves national champions, and I think we ought to give it to them. I'm I on agree. the other side of this one. I think Ohio State <laughs> steamrolls them. Um, I, it's fun to think Purdue will win. Uh, that's not what I'm saying, but uh, they've been a pretty bad road team this year. Um, both of those wins that they do have have come at home. Uh, most no- Well, they did go on the road to beat Iowa, but you know everyone beats Iowa in Iowa, so I'm not sure that that matters too much. But um, This is my hot take of the year right now, is that I think Ohio State wins the natty. Um, I think if they get Georgia, I think their offense steamrolls it. Um, I think they have elite talent. They have 
at least four elite skills right now behind the best offensive line in college football. Now, their five are not nearly as good as Alabama's left tackle. He's the best lineman in football. But all five of their linemen currently could play tackle in the NFL. Um, I think Travion, I think his name is Travion Henderson, is the most explosive back um, right now. He didn't start the season off that way, but because Ryan Day is a quality coach, he hasn't overused his backs. Um, they've got speed. Obviously, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are going to be first-round picks. Um, if C.J. Stroud can hold it together in cold weather, weather, which he's never done, that's the big question. I, I know it's not a, a fun thing to talk about, but like weather in Ohio and in Michigan plays a factor in the NFL. So I'm going to say it plays a factor for a young kid from California. Um, I do think Ohio State rolls here. I wouldn't be surprised if this game ends like 60 to 13 um, and Purdue is just demolished at halftime. This Ohio State team reminds me of how they were when Zeke was there, like that last year where they're just like having sort of the shifting quarterbacks through the year, and they've just got Zeke pounding the ball. And I think it's going to be pretty similar. Uh, I I don't I would love to see Purdue win, <laughs> but I don't see it happening. <laughs> the difference, like, is that like Purdue's other wins of, uh, against top ranked teams. Like, they're not as legit as Ohio State Look, is. man, this is still the Purdue team that lost to Minnesota. Let's be very clear No, no, no. Like, no <laughs> That's I'm saying, a, a I, sleeping I, giant, though. <laughs> I think that the other the, the two other wins they have against top-ranked teams are, like, the t- other top-ranked teams are just a product of their records versus Ohio State is a legitimately really good football team. Um, and I, I, like, I'm not saying I, I don't think Purdue's going to win this game. I just think, you know, with – that's the storyline here, right? Is that Purdue is very good at beating uh, highly ranked teams, but it's different with Ohio State because they're just a, they are genuinely one of the best teams in the country. I will say this it took a 500 plus yard game from the Purdue quarterback to put away Michigan State. He is not throwing for 500 yards on Ohio State. Right. I know, right. Because Ohio, Ohio State's a much better football team than Michigan State. We're, like, we're just talking how they were ranked and when they were ranked at, at a certain point. And Purdue happened to get them at a, at a good time. Like, they got Iowa at the time where they were, like, three instead of, like, 20 or whatever they are now, you know. like. Uh, but Ohio State should be. They, they are probably right around I, four. I think Ohio State is the second-best team in the country right now, and I think they would beat the first. I know it. The, now the way the committee has done it, is they've formulated the schedule, which I give them all props to, because they're going to have a lot of these where the better team, like Ohio State, is going to be ranked lower than the team they're playing, like Michigan State, Uh, assuming that Michigan State hadn't lost to Purdue, which they did. So it's a little bit of a difference. But my whole point in saying that is they've kind of structured this playoff in a way that makes it really entertaining to watch. Um, Like, we can see the offensive issues that Georgia has, right? But obviously they're number one. But that makes that SEC championship game way more fun to watch if Alabama is at two, right? Because then you either have, oh, the title of Alabama, the, is the dynasty over? Or you have, well, Alabama's going to Alabama and Georgia's going to Georgia and they're going to lose the SEC championship. So I think that they've structured this season in a way where, you know, Ohio State very easily can come back in and just break the whole mold. And I think they're planning on doing that. Um, but it'll yeah, be I think they're... Oh, sorry. I was gonna say I think there are probably like two like 
offense defense matchups that I that I want to see over anything else, and that's either Alabama's offense versus Georgia's defense or Ohio State's offense versus Georgia's defense. And I think I I would be I would love watching either of those, and we might get to see both based on you know how I think. And and Shay can talk to this a little bit too, but like we're seeing the meta of college football change, and it's changed. It's changed for a while. 2005, it's elite offense, right? It's elite offense and defensive speed. You've got guys like Vince Young and Matt Leinert and Reggie Bush and Jamal Charles and, like, all – like, these are NFL Hall of Famers on the offensive side of the ball. Then you go into the early 2010s, and that's when you have the Alabama-LSU just defensive dominance. They win games 9-6. to six. They win games – Greg McElroy's the quarterback, guys you've never heard of who have whole ESPN announcer careers just because they lived under Saban. Then in about 2015, 16, you had the reemergence of offense again. I think we're now in the part, again, where defensive dominance is going to be like, how, how do you beat these great offensive teams? Well, I have the best defense in the country. That's Georgia's mentality. That's always been Kirby Smart's mentality. He's not going to beat Alabama by throwing them out of the gym, especially not when they had Tua or Jalen Hurts or Mac Jones. So how's he going to win? He's going to win games 9-6. to six. Um, so I think we're seeing that kind of shift in. And I will say this, Ohio State is the last holdout of elite offense is going to win. They don't have a great defense. They're, they start a, a, like a white guy in the secondary, not elite speed anywhere um, on that side of the ball, but they do have it all in spades on the offensive side. So it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, kind of the power struggle in NCAA football is – Elite offense still elite, or is elite defense kind of the winner of the of the two right now? Next game on the slate is Washington State and Oregon. What do we think here? I look. I think Oregon's a little bit overrated. Um, I'm not in love with their quarterback. Uh, his name is Anthony Brown, I think. Um, he played at BC. He's he's a fine game manager, but again, he's not a guy that I really want me to like have to throw back into a game. Um, and we saw that in the Ohio State game. They got up early and they just leaned back on that running game. And they do have a terrific running game. I give them that. They're one of the best condition teams in the in the NCAA. Mario Cristobal and the guy who looks like Santa Claus, who used to be the OC at Mississippi State, who I can never remember his name. But he, I do like what they're doing. But do we really think that this Oregon team could beat Georgia? Like, I, I'll say it. I don't. No. I think no. I think they got real lucky week two and faced a really injured Ohio State team. But well, I think, I think this I think Oregon this is team is uh, – I mean, they're they're trying to be Georgia-like. Uh, they've set up – they've got this, like, a pretty good defense. I would probably say third, fourth best in the country. And they've got a slightly better offense, but it doesn't make up for slight defensive deficiencies. And so when they catch Ohio State, uh, it's early, and Ohio State's a very different team now than they were then. Um, And so here, I mean, I don't put much stock in Washington State without Mike Leach. And so it could be a trap game. I don't see it happening. Uh, I think Oregon probably covers and hits the over here. I agree. And, And I will say this about Oregon. Whereas Georgia's very good defensively, and it's through a lot of guys that you don't really know, right? Like, it's all like, oh, his name is Adam Henderson. Like, if I just said that, you'd be like, oh, yeah, he plays defensive end. I don't even – like, that's a name I made up right now. Georgia's, like, has 11 
elite defenders that no one really steals the show. Oregon has Kayvon Thibodeau, and that's it. And I understand that he's very good and he's got the frame you want, but, like, I have yet to see him dominate a game. Like, for me, this is on his tape where he needs to, in his huddle of this year, have just 12 plays from this game of him throwing tackles and having tackles for loss and multiple sacks. Because if they don't get that from him, they're not going to beat a team like Georgia. Yes, I understand. They're going to beat Wazoo. Like, my goodness, it's Wazoo. Like, nothing great is happening there. Um, But there is a part of me that, like, if Oregon's going to want to assert itself, especially in that match, because they don't have any good games left. Like, they're done. Utah, I think they play. Is that? I think they play Utah next week, and that's their last game that's going to be against a ranked opponent. Utah's um, okay, yeah. Utah's fine, but, but it's, especially but it's without not like... Charlie Brewer, they're not they're not nearly as good as uh, as they were probably going to be at the start of the season. They're but, not playing Big Ten or SEC schools. Yeah, like... and so that's kind of the thing is like, you know, and the question is that this year is probably going to be of if. Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, which is a big if, but you know, then you're going to basically come down to it and you're going to have two spots and it's going to be Oregon. Um, let's say hypothetically Baylor wins out in convincing faction. It's going to be Oregon, Baylor and uh, Cincinnati. You've got to fill two of those spots. I think Oregon probably gets the four seed and they just draw Georgia, but it'll be really interesting to see how it all shakes out because um yeah, I just don't. I, I just don't like the team. I don't. I don't like the quarterback. I really do believe that if you want to be elite in college football, you have to have an elite quarterback. Um, let's talk A and M Ole Miss. Um, that's I think going to be the most fun game of the slate. Um, in terms of the matchup, what do you think there, Shaber? Um. I don't think an ounce of defense is going to be played. Uh, I, I think I think the over the over hits are probably doubles. You know, it's set at fifty six and a half. I could easily see it eclipsing at under points. Yeah. Um, Lane Kiffin, I think, has got uh, a pretty good flow right now as a play caller, and you know, Jimbo Fisher, for as much as he loves to leave programs hanging that you know have paid him a considerable chunk of money, he always has a good offense. This backup quarterback, Calzada, has just come into his own, really fun this spot. And, uh, I mean, Matt Corral is, uh, at this point, probably your best NFL prospects. Uh, and I, I think that this is going to be a huge, huge, huge number on the scoreboard. I think A&M's defense is overrated, and I think their offense is underrated. Um, I said I think I said it last podcast. Zach Calzada is still like a top five quarterback in the state currently, um, and it's going to be a quarterback show. Like Calzada completes over twelve yards per attempt or per per completion. Like that's a fat number. That's a big number. Um, On the overrated underrated thing too. Like they beat Alabama because they scored with them, not because they shut them down. You know. Yeah. And I will say this. Anum's defense, it, like Jimbo has this thing of like, you know, he's got a great defense and he's got a great defensive line. Like, no, they, they don't have that. Uh, it's just not there. Um, you know, they've played not super great opponents and they did have the benefit of facing Bo Nix uh, when he was on the road. Uh, but like, this is still a team that 
they have the they have the cake schedule of the SEC. Like their their other side is Missouri and South Carolina. Um, it like the losing to Mississippi State was an egregious loss, and no one's really sure if that team is good or not. I right. still don't know. Mike Leach, uh, he's <laughs> he's just a magician. He wins games you think he shouldn't, and he doesn't win games you think he should. Uh, he's just, I, but I think that's why Mississippi that State hires him, right? Like, you can't be worse than where you were. Um, I do I think A and M runs all over Mississippi State. Isaiah Spiller's having another gigantic year. He's already got almost 900 yards. That's in nine games. I mean, he's really running all over people right now. Yeah, so th- so that's the tough thing for me. Is like it basically comes down to offense on offense. I think Ole Miss getting points at home is a little rogue. Um, that's a very good football team. I know their defense leaves much to be desired, as any Lane Kiffin defense does. But that Corral is as legit as they come. He makes great decisions with the football, which I think is the slept off. Everyone always gets infatuated with the arm. Um, and the placement, but he actually throws to the right guy way more than he gets credit for. Um, I do think Shay's correct in that this could just, this one's going to be rung up. I think it's going to be, you know, 40 to 40, and we're going into overtime, and they're only scoring touchdowns. I I think it literally comes down to, does Lane Kiffin have more in his box of tricks than Jimbo can actually give Zach Calzada? Yeah. I think I think I think it's decided by like one turnover. I think I think that's literally it, and I think it's one of those weird college. You know, last team they, to touch the ball, man. Dude, it's my least favorite thing in college football, where you can get held up and stripped, and they don't call you down due to forward progress. Um, it's a crazy rule. I like it because it like spurns all this debate about it, but it is a strange rule, and I could definitely see how this game gets decided um, by one of those. Thanks for listening and be sure to check out our NFL podcast.